Thanks, Dan. Uh, sorry for that pause there. Good evening, everybody. Now, I'm really pleased we've been able to uh, arrange this joint meeting, albeit, of course, not in the expected uh, circumstances. It's, it's good that we're, we, we've not allowed lockdown to prevent us from gathering and praying together uh, like this. Now, in these last few weeks, of course, we've had to rethink what it means to, to be church uh, when we're prevented from actually meeting in the way that God's word anticipates that the body of Christ would. As far as I'm aware, social distancing is not a concept that the Bible explicitly addresses. Though, of course, we're very conscious of the many uh, persecuted churches and Christians across the world who know much more about lockdown uh, than we do. So how are we to, to be church? Well, in some ways, it's surprisingly straightforward. We, we stick to the principles that God has given us in the Bible. And, and some of those, of course, we've just read, haven't we, from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Uh, for example, where to live good lives uh, amongst those who don't believe. We are to submit to every human authority, even, even if they, they treat us harshly. And we're to expect suffering following the example of our Lord uh, and of our saviour, by whose wounds we've read, uh, we have been healed. Uh, and these principles reflect those in a similar passage of scripture, this one written 600 years before Jesus came. So would you please turn to Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. This is a well-known part of uh, the Bible, which at CBC we looked at not that long ago. And I know that you at Oak Hall studied the whole of Jeremiah uh, only last year. So I'm sure you can all find it very quickly. Uh, if you do need a clue, it's near the middle, uh, just after Isaiah. Well, Jeremiah, by the way, was, was prophesying to God's chosen people who had recently been taken by force uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he was telling them how they should live there. Because on the one hand, you had some people thinking that they should remain completely separate from the Babylonians, perhaps a bit like nuns in a, in a convent uh, but at the other extreme you've got some who thought it might be just easier to give up their faith give up their uh, Jewish identity and completely assimilate into the new pagan society so 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 who was right well let's have a look and see I'm going to read from uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 to 14 this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says to all those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future, uh, a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Well, that's God's word uh, through Jeremiah. And I, I don't know if you can imagine being one of those exiles receiving or reading this message. They, they'd been through some terrible times. Uh, the Babylonian army had laid siege to Jerusalem for a long time, causing uh, desperate poverty and starvation. And now they captured the city, imposed brutal control and taken some of the people back to Babylon as prisoners. But, but what we read in, in verse four there, it says this is what the Lord Almighty says to those I carried into exile and you see the same thing if you look in verse 7. So God didn't just allow this to happen. The forces against Israel were not only permitted by God, they were used by God to discipline his people for their rebellion against him, just as he had repeatedly warned them. Now, it may have looked uh, like King Nebuchadnezzar and his armies ruled the world, but we know that they didn't. And think now, who rules the world today? National governments, America, China, Russia? Well, the coronavirus has shown us quite clearly that none of those have got ultimate power. God, through something so small, uh, something that nobody can see, has literally turned the world upside down. He is still in charge. And our prayer should be that everyone uh, would see that. Now, the other thing uh, that may have come as a bit of surprise was the 70 years thing that you read in, in verse 10. Now, as you can read in the previous chapter, chapter 28, some of the prophets were saying that it would only be a couple of years, two years before uh, Babylon would be overthrown and, and the Israelites would return to Jerusalem safe and sound. That's what they said uh, was going to happen. Well, those are the false prophets that are warned here by, uh, of here by Jeremiah in verses eight and nine. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, uh, declares the Lord. Well, Christian believers today are exiles in a foreign land. That's what we've just read uh, in Peter. But unlike the Israelites, we're not here because of God's discipline. Uh, and of course, we don't know how long our stay here is going to be. Though, of course, there are similarities. You look at Psalm 90, verse 10, uh, for example, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. But there are a couple of parallels from Jeremiah that clearly do directly apply to us today. And I'd like us to spend just a few moments looking at each of those. And the first is summarised in, in verse 7 of our passage. Seek the peace of the city. Seek the peace of the city. Now, Charles Dickens' uh, A Tale of Two Cities is apparently uh, the best-selling work of fiction of all time. Well, the Bible is the best-selling work 
of nonfiction of all time. And in many ways, it's also a tale of two cities. You've got Babylon, uh, which is a picture of the kingdom of this world, uh, which is opposed to God, uh, whilst Jerusalem is the kingdom of God. You've got two kingdoms, uh, but ultimately just one king. And if these Israelites had been instructed to seek the peace of uh, Jerusalem, well, that would have made more sense to them, especially given the violence and the conflict that Jerusalem was currently experiencing. But, but no, the city in verse seven is Babylon. These captives were being told to make their homes in Babylon, to settle down, to plant gardens, to build houses, to live normal lives, basically. Well, Britain's shameful history of slavery and exploitation is very much, uh, of course, in the news at the moment. Well, imagine the shock uh, for these people of being told that the country to which you've just been dragged, uh, these people who have treated you like dirt, well, you've just got to get used to it. And not only that, you must seek their peace and prosperity. You must pray for them. Well, that is what God's people are being instructed to do. And our Babylon is Caterham or wherever it is that you're living or working or or playing golf or, or going on holiday. Our mission as followers of the Lord Jesus is to seek the peace of the city and to pray for it. And the Hebrew word here for peace is shalom which is the peace that God alone brings, security, uh, welfare, wholeness, absolute contentment. Now, where to seek God's shalom for our whole community, not just for those uh, who believe. So what does all this mean? Well, Well, the Lord Jesus is the perfect example. He was the one who showed love and compassion to everyone who came to him. He healed the sick. He got alongside the brokenhearted. He he fed the hungry. He drew near. He even touched the leper. And his was unconditional love. Most of those whose uh, lives Jesus touched never truly believed in him. He, He sowed the seed of his love indiscriminately. As he said himself in Matthew uh, chapter five, he causes the son, his son to rise on the evil and the good and sheds rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Well, that's the example uh, that we are called to follow. And many of us tonight uh, will know of God's amazing grace. We, we know Jesus personally. We've experienced his saving love. Well, well, how we show that love uh, to those around us may be a little bit different during this pandemic to what it might have looked like uh, beforehand. Not that different, I'm guessing. Uh, some of you have been helping the most vulnerable in, in our society, uh, doing their shopping, collecting their prescriptions, walking their dogs. Uh, others are involved in, in the food bank, uh, meeting the basic needs of the most desperate. Uh, and others looking out for neighbours, talking over the garden fence, making uh, phone calls. Uh, and we bring peace to the community by, by getting involved in the community, uh, by becoming school governors, by becoming local councillors, by serving uh, in the NHS, by uh, volunteering with the citizens' advice, by uh, opening businesses. 
uh, some of you uh, will be aware of Sally's new gift shop in Croydon Road, which has already been a great witness in our community. There, there are no end of uh, examples. And we also seek the peace of the city through standing for justice by lobbying our political representatives, by uh, campaigning against discrimination, being sought and light. And on Sunday mornings at CBC, we've been looking at the, what, what the Bible says about representing Jesus in the, in the workplace. How important it is that we're humble, that we're servant hearted, that we're others focused, ambitious for God's glory, not for our own. And those principles apply whatever our situations. Colossians 3 uh, says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and Daniel, well, Daniel was uh, one of those early captives uh, to whom Jeremiah would have been writing. And he's an example of someone who put these instructions into practice. He was, he was removed from his family at a young age, but he put up with the hardship, he put up with the indoctrination, he put up with the loss of an outward identity. He sought the peace of the city. He, he respected and prayed for the king and for others who had so brutally taken him captive. In this country, many of you uh, uh, would have heard of, of those who've brought the, some of the biggest changes to society, that they've been so often Christian uh, believers. William Wilberforce, Elizabeth Fry, William Booth, George Muller. They've all used their gifts and their circumstances to bring uh, and seek peace of the city. Well, we might not have exactly the kind of gifts that they had, or the, the circumstances, but we can each do what we can do uh, with the gifts and, and the circumstances that we've been given. But despite the great changes that those people uh, brought, ending slavery, uh, reforming hospitals, alleviating poverty, housing uh, orphans, none of those people would have seen social justice as being their only mission. And we as individuals and as churches, we shouldn't see this verse in Jeremiah 29 as our only mission either. We need to see it in the context of the rest of the passage, in the context of the rest of uh, the Bible. Because while seeking the peace of the city, uh, Babylon, it is absolutely vital. It's even more important that we seek the peace of the city. The city in that day being Jerusalem. Uh, so I think th talking about uh, seeking the peace of this, the, the city, Babylon, uh, is absolutely vital. But it's even more important that we seek the peace of the city. And that's the second point, that we seek the peace of the city. And the peace of God's kingdom is what verse 13 uh, is all about. Do take another look with me. Uh, it says, uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from captive to captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, uh, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. The city that we're to seek uh, is the dwelling place of the Lord, the place where we will see our Saviour uh, face to face. Uh, as Paul uh, reminded the Philippians, we are citizens of heaven. Uh, believers in the Lord Jesus are exiles in this world. Our, our home is in the next. Uh, and that's God's plan for us. And it's, it's a great plan. 
Uh, as verse 11 says, it's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. Now, according to uh, BibleGateway.com, Je- uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 uh, is the most popular verse uh, in the whole of the Bible. And don't get me wrong, it is so reassuring to know that God has plans for us, that he has our future uh, mapped out. Uh, But so often we misunderstand this to mean that God's plan is somehow to get us out of whatever difficult situation we're currently in and to bring us into uh, somehow a much more comfortable life. Well, the verse doesn't actually say that. But what it does promise is much more wonderful uh, than a few more pleasant years uh, in this earth. It means that God has not abandoned us and he will not fail in his plan to bring us out of Babylon and into this new Jerusalem, the city of God, uh, the place of eternal security where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more tears, no more suffering and no more social distancing. Now, if our trust in Jesus is in Jesus, we he, he will bring us there. That is the promise uh, from a God who never breaks his promises. But we might have to wait a little bit longer before that happens. And we might have to endure uh, a little bit more uh, suffering. Verse 10 uh, may have been a little bit bittersweet for the Israelites uh, as they were hearing this. This is what the Lord says. Not two years, but when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will bring, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, the last bit's good, but but the 70 years? Well, that would have meant for most of these people that they would never return to the physical Jerusalem. That their children would be born in captivity, their their grandchildren, their their, their great-grandchildren, perhaps. And that's quite a shock. And the perfect uh, trouble-free lives that we crave may be a long way off for many of us too. But it's that life that we look forward to. We, We mustn't be so comfortable in this life that we stop looking forward to the next. And it's the prospect of that life, of course, that we must tell others about. I mean, why do you think that they were told in verse six to to get married, to have kids, to encourage their kids to get married and to have um, more kids? Why why were they being told to do that? Well, it's so that when they finally arrived back in Jerusalem, there would be far more of them coming back than, than had left. So that Jerusalem would be filled one day with crowds of people praising and thanking God for bringing them back home. Well, what was Jesus's great commission for his followers go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are instructed to have children, spiritual children, to make disciples, to tell the good news, to nurture others' faith, to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. But we'll only do that, we'll only be motivated to do that if we ourselves are looking forward to heaven. When we stop looking, uh, longing to see Jesus, we will stop sharing him with others. It's when we seek the peace, the shalom of the city, that we will be most determined to seek the peace of this city. 
C.S. Lewis was, was right when he observed, if you uh, read history, you'll find that Christians, that the Christians who did most for the present world are precisely those who thought most about the next. It's since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world uh, that they've been so, become so ineffective in, in this world. Now, meeting together like this as uh, local gospel churches is very much part of this mission, pandemic or uh, no pandemic. Uh, our mission together is to seek the peace of Caterham and to pray for it. Does, does coronavirus stop us being a church? Well, absolutely not. Not being able to f- physically meet will never stop us uh, being the church of Christ. Seek the peace of Babylon. Seek the peace of Jerusalem. So, so in closing, I, I would ask as churches and as individuals represented this evening, are our minds focused on the glorious city towards which we are, we, we are heading? Are, are our eyes fixed on Jesus? If they are, then we will be those who will seek the peace and prosperity of the communities where God has placed us now. And we will pray to him for them. Well, before I hand back to Dan to close uh, our meeting, let's just pause for a moment whilst we uh, quietly uh, consider what God is saying to us this evening. Let's just pray quietly for a moment.